Flipping it up and out. Bogut! Ariza blocked by Bogut! Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series. Thanks again for everyone out there who has subscribed and is listening. Got a big, big run sheet today, Pro. What's what's news over there? Well, Bogues, uh, I'm going to create a new segment and I'm going to open it up with it. It's called Fire Your Trainer and Getting in the Fucking Gym Award for the Week. And I, I've got this database that I've set up for like 12 years. It has all stats, my rankings, all NBA, all that stuff. But it also has a segment of like 50, 40, 90 guys presently. And it also has the worst shooters in the league. So here's the prerequisite. You know, and, and Steve the and Steve the sound guy can take this out, so it doesn't matter. Whatever you guys want to do is great with me. <laughs> All right, it's under forty two percent from the field, under thirty from the three, and under seventy from the line club. It's a prestigious club, folks. Out of five hundred and ten players or so, whatever's in the NBA, there's only two that really qualify right now, presently, and it's Justice Winslow. From Portland, 38 from the field, 65 from the line, 23.8 from the three. Not exactly Larry Bird numbers. And then Kobe White, 37.5 from the field, 55.6 from the line, 28.6 from the three. Your trainers need to get fired, get off Instagram, and you got to get in the gym. So, Wait, what's Ben at? What's up? What's Ben Simmons at though? He'd be he'd be around those numbers, no. wouldn't he? Uh, hold on, let me presently let me look at it. Right oh, he'd be no, he'd be he, he actually he'd be good from the field. Yeah, he'd be good from just, the field. He'd be, he'd be he'd be fifty plus from yeah, the field. He'd be zero from the three. Yeah, and yeah. you have to play mm. a certain amount of games. You have to play up right up to this point. You have to play um, eight games, and it'll go up two games a week. So Ben currently is fifty three from the field, fifty two from the line, and zero from the three. So. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to have a couple of attempts. Like it can't be somebody who never shoots threes. So that's my deal. Fire your trainer. Get in the fucking gym. Those two guys. And they might be the same two guys every week. But we got to do better, folks. I think we have, to, we have to promote better fucking play in this league. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, maybe they don't have a trainer. Maybe that's a problem. They need, they need a guy that posts their shit on Instagram. Mike at consultants.com. I don't post shit on Instagram. <laughs> and actually, we will get into uh, trainers a little bit right at the end of this uh, this podcast. So stay tuned. Um, there's been a lot of people reaching out and asking about uh, about trainers for their kids. So parents, stay tuned. Anyway, let's get rolling with our team of the weeks. I will go first. I think we've probably got the same one. Uh, Sacramento Kings. Uh, you got sack? I don't have sack, but I, they, they were. Oh my goodness! Sacrilege! Sacrilege! This is a team intended. that was meant to be. Yeah. Bottom five, but anyway, they've uh, they just they just won their sixth straight game, albeit versus Detroit. I watched the end of that one just to to make sure that my team of the week was at least on a streak. I was still going to give it to them anyway, but their last six that uh, they've won: Cleveland, Lakers, Golden State, Brooklyn, Spurs, and Detroit. So a good mix of bad teams and, and pretty okay. you know Cleveland was a good team. Mm-hmm. Golden State's going to be okay. Let's, let's be honest. And Brooklyn's in the middle of the pack. I mean, the Detroit, San Antonio, and Lakers are. Are pretty easy wins, but they still have to. Still, the old Sacramento would have lost those, or, or would have went one and two against those really bad teams. So, I think they're you know they're overachieving. There's no doubt. So the question will be, can they sustain this form? Uh, I think next week and the week after they start playing much better teams, Boston and whatnot. But the reason why they're my team of the week is because usually they they 
you know, out of these six games, they might have went two and four historically or three and three. Oh, we let one slip at home, and, and they haven't. They've, they've done really well. So bonus, 17, 11, and six a night. Fantastic. He's playing awesome. I mean, if they keep this form up, he's, he's, he's an all-star along with Fox, in my opinion. Fox is 25, five, and six. Mm-hmm. The guy that's really playing well for them is Herter. Um, he's just pro. He's, he's averaging 16 points a game. He's shooting 51% from the three. That was pre tonight's game, so it might change a little bit. But 51% on 16 points per game, and he's shooting seven threes a game, pro. So he's 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 lighting it up from there. He's he's had a he's really aggressive. I mean, he's he's one of the last remaining gingers in the NBA, I believe. So um, he's representing the gingers and and playing really well. Um, but they they look like they. They look like they like each other. I mean, the Sacramento of past had too many young guys, too many guys fighting for who's the one guy on this team. No, I'm the man on this team. I'm not getting my touches. They've moved some of those guys out. Um, whether that was a good move or bad move, it's, it's kind of worked. I mean, Hal Burton's probably the, the, the toughest one they had to get rid of to free things up for Fox. But in my opinion, it was either Fox or, or Hal Burton. Um, and it just looks like they enjoy it. they got a good mix of veterans now, Sabonis and Harrison Barnes, a uh, good mix of youth. They, they, a stat I'll drop later on in the useful or useless, which is a pretty mind-boggling one. That they're, they're they're moving the ball and playing well together, and I've enjoyed uh, seeing them do well the last, you know, the last two or three weeks, and especially this last week. I hope they can continue it. That's the biggest question mark with Sacramento. And I said at the start of this season, I had them in, in my bottom four because I said until they show me they deserve to be, you know, in the top top 10, the top eight, the top seven out of a plane, whatever. They need, to, they need to show me on a consistent basis. That question mark's still out, but we can only be judging them on the present and they're, they're having a hell of a start to the season, pro. And, and and not only that, pro, they lost two games to that review bullshit yes, um, where, where the last minute report said, oh, whoops, yep, you were right. Clay Thompson did foul Herder on that three, which would have tied the game. And there was that travel, in, I think, against Miami. So they arguably could be even higher, but they're, they're doing very, very well, bro. Well, because they're fun to watch, man. And, you know, like Herder, who, who really didn't have a great year last year after having a really good, you know, uh, year before for Atlanta, you know, in their big playoff run, didn't really have a good year last year shooting the ball, you know, almost like Duncan Robinson-esque sometimes, probably for the mo- main reason I had him on my fantasy team, and he just totally can fucking completely fucking kick my ass with it. But, no, they're playing well. They're moving the ball. Sabonis is tough. You know, great screen setting, post-ups down low, rebounding the shit out of it. You know, Herder's shooting it. Fox is really tough. But I'll tell you what, their bench is really coming alive. Like Trey Lyles, Terrence Davis, Malik Monk, Mitchell. You know, and, and even this, the Metu kid, uh, Chemezi, if, I, if I'm not mistaken uh, for the name. Mm-hmm. But like, yep. he, he took, you know, he took Holmes right out of the lineup, out, out, you know, out of those backup minutes. And he's really playing hard. Terrence Davis had a great game the night when I watched him. And, you know, but I'll, I'll let you know a little secret, Bogues. They are undefeated since I told HB I had him on my fantasy team for like eight straight, seven straight years. I picked him up every year for seven straight years. He's my my lucky uh, my lucky charm, uh, to say the least. So you're welcome, fucking Sacramento. Yeah, he was str- he was struggling early on, yeah. so it wouldn't have been too lucky. But he's he's found form. He had 27 today, I believe, or maybe more. Um, I don't know if they fouled him into the game for free throws, but yeah, he's he's been playing better the last week or two and had a really slow start um, for for his standards. So, but. 
Good on the Sacramento Kings. I was a fan of them as a young fellow back in the day when they had, you know, Peja and Vladi and Bibby and Weber, and it's good to see them. And they, they light the sky up now with, with some sort of laser beam pro and they win a game. So um, apparently it had cobwebs on that laser beam. They had to figure out where in what, what closet it was stored in, but they've pulled it back out now. And apparently after every win, they light the sky up with a laser beam and it's six straight. So congrats to the Kings. Who do you have, bro? Folks, I had the Celtics. And look, I love Sacramento too. Like they're playing... They're playing really well, and and I I was basically up to the podcast was gonna do was gonna go with Sack, and then I was like, you know what, Boston's been playing well, won nine in a row. Um, didn't exactly beat you know the the ninety one Bulls you know you know last week, but again undefeated. They beat you know New Orleans, you know they beat New Orleans, Atlanta, Oklahoma City. Uh, Detroit, I believe. No, Detroit. Detroit was the week before, but like you know, so three and zero in the week. They're playing well. They're, those guys are, are a well-oiled machine. If if I'm you know, like right now, I don't know if there's many teams playing better than Boston. You know, as far as they're playing together, they're defending, they're scoring, they're moving the ball. They don't even have Robert Williams right now. Their front court is decimated since Gallinari got hurt, since Robert Williams has been out all year. You know, Al Horford's been, you know, they're talking about Al Horford. Like, the guy's like, literally, he knew where he was when Lincoln got shot, and the guy's fucking putting up 11-7. and You know, the guy's one of the older players in the league and really producing in 31 minutes a night. And he's playing well. And like Lou Cornett even coming off the bench, a guy who's been a journeyman, you know, basically a sparring partner for, for most teams. And this guy's giving them 13 minutes off the bench playing well. So I think they're playing great Bogues. They're a fun team to watch. You know, last year they were so bad to watch. It was like Tatum ISO, Tatum ISO, Brown ISO. And that's all they were doing. And, you know, and then they made a couple of trades, a trade deadline, and those guys go to the finals. And, you know, Brogdon's playing well. White's playing well. They just, you know, Hauser, shit, they got Hauser off the scrap heap. You know, Hauser, I think, was delivering for fucking Amazon before this season. And this guy's putting up eight a game, you know, making threes like it's nobody's business. He's like a Kevin Herter type, Duncan Robinson type. So what do you, what do you see about the Celtics, folks? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're probably the one team that I would have had in there. Otherwise, um, I didn't give it to them last week just based on their schedule, but they're they're firing on all cylinders and they have injuries. Like I've always said, a good team can kind of band-aid uh, injuries and, and miss, a, miss a main guy or a main starting center in their case and, and just continue on like uh, they haven't missed a beat and they, they, have, they have a bunch of guys. They're, they're, that, they're that well well-oiled machine now. They, they just night in, night out, they come together, they play hard. Um, everyone knows their role. They understand their role. There's no bitching and griping in the locker room, and I think they're they're really stung. It seems like they're really stung by losing that that opportunity last season. Um, and that that's what you wanted. You want to be. You, you know, you look at the Phoenix Suns. They had they had that opportunity to come back the following year and be better, and they were worse. Mm-hmm. And it capitulated for them. Whereas Boston looked like they've come out and said, you know what, like no, we're, we're you know we're coming back. We feel like we had a chance to win that series and we, we squandered it and we want to be back there and give ourselves another opportunity. And I think as it looks now, Boston and Milwaukee are, are coming out of the East um, at 1-2 and that's how it's sitting right now in the standings. Um, those two teams are the teams to beat, but Boston is definitely owning the East. So I think that's yeah, a, very, a very, very good pick. And I think, to be honest, they're going to be in the running to win um, Team of the Week most weeks uh, on this podcast um, just because... They're, they're rolling. They don't lose at home, and they're, they're very, very good on the road. So, decent pick, bro. All right. Uh, let's see who you've got week. Um, you go first. Team of the week. Well, you know what, Bogues? Since officially you put it on paper first, 
We have the bo- we have the same team. <laughs> we can do the same one. We, the sa- the, we can do the same the, one. Yeah, but you know what? Since you were the first guy to put it out there, I'm gonna let you say it because we got the same team. Okay, fair enough. The Chicago Bulls, man. Um, they lost four straight this week. Now, New Orleans twice, Denver, and Orlando. They they lose to Orlando on on a tough tough shot from uh, who, who was that? Suggs hit a hit a three ball, kind of fumbled it. Um, step back three, bang. But they just. I mean, start of the season, I thought they'd be where I thought they'd be a little bit better. I thought they were where they'd be last season. Um, they'd be where they were last season, and they're, they're worse. They, they just—I don't know. It's just—it's a roster that doesn't fit, in my opinion. Uh, Levine hasn't been great. He was one for fourteen in the last game against Orlando. Hasn't been shooting the ball that well. Very, very inconsistent. Vucevic. He's been playing pretty solid for him. Uh, hit some big threes in some games that I've watched to keep them in games, but. Uh, Patrick Williams has been okay um, up and down. DeRozan's still getting his numbers. He had 41 against Orlando, single-handedly trying to carry him in that game. Um, Caruso hasn't been as effective. I've been, his energy's always going to be there, but but up and down as well. And then their bench, there's a major plateau with their bench. Like you mentioned earlier, Kobe White's on that bench, one of the worst shooting percentages in the league. Dragic is, is there, but getting very, very old. Drummond back up center. Derek Jones Jr., that's their bench. So their bench is not great. Um, and I don't know what they what they do to fix it. They're they're in that they're in that real NBA no man's land right now. They're scratching the surface of a plane or being one of the worst teams in the league. It is early, um, but yeah, they got they got a lot of improving to do. And I just don't see, I don't I don't see them fixing it. I don't see them even with a trade, even with some moves. That roster is just not. There's not a lot of depth there. Um, they've got some great players on it. And it just seems like it just it just it has sailed its its peak in my opinion, which was uh, last season, and that that wasn't a great year by any means. Though they were solid, but yeah, I just don't think they're gonna they're gonna make much more noise this season, pro. Well, because it's tough, man. Like without, you know, when when you're going into a year without ball for the whole year, and look, ball's not you know Magic Johnson or anything, but like he is really good at. You know, getting everybody shots, getting people looks. He's a he's got great vision, and you know now to have to take him out of the mix. You're playing Dragic 19 minutes, probably more than you want to play him. You know, a few more minutes a game. Caruso's got to play an increased role. You know, Kobe White has, has like you know, mentioned him earlier in the show, not not being able to make shots right now. Um, you know, and then they just have to go deeper into your bench, and it's it's not good. You know, Patrick Williams again putting up a. You know, not exactly. It's it's, it's pre- pretty, you know, it's not really hitting the bar right now. Like if anybody needed a, a breakout season, it's Patrick Williams. And 10-3 and three is not going to pull it, especially with the injuries they've had. You know, DeRozan's doing his thing at 25-4, and four and, and Levine's going at 20-4. and four. But, you know, Levine's shooting at 41% from the field, not very efficient. Three balls, okay, at 36 but, like, he's got to step up and play better. Like, he's had a, a few dismal nights already, you know, that's that's pretty rough. Um, you know, DeRozan's not really a three-point shooter. We know that coming in. You know, he, he's shooting 52% from the field, but, you know, 21 from the three. Um, I don't think there's going to be a trade. Look, they made, those tr- they made that trade, you know, with all those p- package of players and picks and things like that to Orlando to get Fusevich. That's 
they made a deal to be like, look, this is our team. Signing Levine, signing Ball. You know, they already had DeRozan and they got Fusevich. That's their team. So they built the team for now. They're not building for the future. They're building it for now for the next three or four years to see what they can do with it. And they're just sort of underperforming right now. And, you know, they, you know, they got to be better. But right now it's six and 10. They're fourth in the central. You know, they're, they're fourth in the central, 12th in the east. And I, I don't know as far as how hard their schedule has been up to this point. I, I'm not really a big schedule uh, study like that, but it, it doesn't look great right now for them. They got to bounce back. They got to get ball back on the court. You know, you know, Dragic is a great backup to, to play 10, 15 minutes a night. And, but not to have ball there and, and, and have everybody else step up off the bench, which you would expect them to do. But they just really haven't been there. They're, they've been pretty, they've been pretty just like lethargic most of the year and up and down. So somebody's got to step up. And I don't, I don't really see it. There's not really a trade to be made. You know, I don't think there's a big calling of Fusevich, DeRozan. Like you can get some things for him, but like it's probably not better than what you have. And no one's given you a boatload of picks for probably either one of those players. So it's like, what are you going to, you know, you just sort of have what you have and they got to go forward with it, but it doesn't look great. They are the team of the motherfucking week for everyone out there that gets confused. That is, that is the bad team, but they are, they are struggling. So if you're a Bulls fan, unlucky. And real quick before we move on to the next segment, Clay Thompson's found. Found his form, pro. He has uh, 41 right now with 26 seconds left against the Rockets. Looks like the Golden State Warriors are going to win that 126 mean, to 120 currently. You mean Houston Elite. Um, no, they're not, they're not the Rockets. They, the Houston, the Houston, Houston, yeah, Elite, the Houston a- AAU Houston team. Elite AAU, yes. Steph with a line of 33, 15, and 8, but Clay has found form, ladies and gentlemen. This is good old Houston Rockets coming to town. Where are they playing there? doesn't matter. Whatever it is, um, Clay Thompson's found form. 10 for 13 from three. So you knew he was gonna, I knew he was going to find it eventually. All these people naysaying him, you know, yes, he's not moving as well as he was. He's coming off some injuries, um, hasn't played a whole season of basketball in a while. It's his first season, fully healthy and back. He's, he's going to find it, and, and he's found it tonight, and I think he'll, he'll carry on this form now. And now that he's got his eye in, I think that the Warriors will start to surge a little bit. All right, moving on to Laddergate Pro. <laughs> Giannis, um, for those who haven't seen this, just jump online. Giannis and the ladder at uh, at Philadelphia. So the story goes something like this: Giannis uh, Milwaukee played at Philadelphia. Uh, Giannis was four for fifteen from the line. A um, couple of air balls in there. Didn't shoot it well. Um, they go down by you know whatever it was at the end of it. It was a single digit game, but they, they lose that game. And so Giannis, like a lot of players, they they go and get shots up. After the game, now usually it's as pro can attest. It's usually guys that don't get minutes, guys that haven't played much, or development guys that are just in a suit. They'll sometimes get another workout in after a game, or or guys that have felt like they've shot the ball bad or whatever. So Giannis, you know, being the pro that he is, decided to go out back onto Philly's court uh, as the fans were already exited pretty much, or just the cleaners left and whatever. And he started shooting some free throws just to get another fifty or hundred up before he gets on the plane wherever they're going, going in the next the next city. And Montrez Harold decides that you know you, he's out there as well to get a workout in because he's he's benched, uh, he's not playing at all for Philly, so he's probably pissed about that a little bit. But he goes like a petty little child, walks up to Giannis and, and takes the ball off him as he's shooting. So just takes his ball and just goes, "Get off our court! This is our court. You can't do this." Blah 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 blah. blah. So Giannis is like, "I just want to get some free throws up, man." Like. I'm happy to reportedly he said I'm happy to we can shoot on the same rim. I'm not I'm not doing any jumpers or movement stuff, so I'll just shoot some free throws while you and and Harold wasn't having it, blah, 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 blah. Some back and forth, some barking. Uh, so much so that Giannis goes to the locker room, gets two balls of his own, <laughs> comes back out and then goes to the other end. 
And apparently, Harold and Philly had, had told the, the, the arena workers to put one of those big ladders in front of the hoop. So Giannis came out and I guess he said something along the lines of, look, I just want to get 50 quick shots up or 100 quick shots up. Can you move the ladder, please? And, and, and they were like, no. So he kind of brushed it aside a little bit, went to the free throw line, shot a shot, and then they, they moved it straight back in front. And uh, this is where Ladgate started. He, uh, he basically walked up pissed and was like, I want to sh- I'm going to shoot move the ladder and they're like, no, we're not moving it. So you just grab the whole thing. It's one of those tall ladders for people out there. It's 10, 10, 10 odd feet high. So it's used to change change the net. It's used to clean something on the on the backboard, put microphones up. He knocks that whole thing over, makes a big, massive sound, just walks back to the line and starts shooting free throws. And that's Laddergate. Um, I don't know, Pro, you have a bit more experience with this than me. Visiting teams usually allow guys on, on the court, on the road to get extra shots up after games? After the game, it's sort of a free-for-all, Bogues, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, Kobe started this back in 2011. I don't know if you remember, you know, after Miami, uh, he just didn't play well. They, they lost, and he came out and shot, like, close to midnight, you know, started shooting. And it was a big thing online back then. And now guys have been, you know, slowly but surely doing it once in a while during the season. It's not really a big thing on the arena floor. Like I, I, I really haven't had much experience with a, a visiting team players doing it. Sometimes a home team player will do it. I remember Luca did it his, his rookie year. Um, not many guys did it. Sometimes they would go in their practice facility downstairs in Dallas. But um, you sort of, you sort of at the mercy of the arena workers because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times those arenas they have you know hockey the next night or, you know, some other uh, event they got to get ready for. So they got to break things down and things. I I read that story a few times, like from a few different places from the media. I I didn't hear about Montrez talking to an arena worker. Not that it didn't happen. I just didn't hear that part of the story. I did hear that uh, Giannis makes 10 in a row. Usually that's his deal. And then he goes, he was like on number eight and, and Montrez took the ball and said, come on, man. Like, and, and said exactly what you said about, I'll share the court with you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he went in the locker room, got two balls. And then like the arena workers are there and, you know, he asked to say, you know, asked to move, they wouldn't move it. You know, then he's tried to move it. They moved it back. And then they, and then obviously the thing went down. Um, you know, those arena workers could be, a, you know, they, it could be tough, man. Like, before the game, it's usually fucking pissed. They usually, as a development coach, it's there early. They're usually doing that, you know, and they usually fuck with the uh, visiting team first. So they're not like, they'll just take their time and you're just like, what the fuck? I'm trying to get my schedule right. And these motherfuckers are just taking their time, you know, taking selfies with the shot clock and shit. And you're like, come on, man, just get off the fucking court. But it is it is a little <laughs> bit nerve-wracking. Um, you know, to me, like, you know, Montrez doing that just shows who he is. He's been like that his whole his whole career. He's been a guy that's just not professional, just, you know, pisses people off, blah, blah, blah. Not like uh, a Rodman piss you off or Ron Artest. Just sort of like, just not a good not a good dude. Like, that's a guy that just wants to piss you off all the time. And he wears out his welcome. He's done it in a few places. And, yeah, like, look, and that's the thing. Giannis has built this equity up for his whole career being a good dude. So it's like... You don't want to believe that a guy could be a dick and like he's never shown anything. Not that he not that he can't be without anybody looking, but like it just seemed like he got a little frustrated. Um 
Now, that being said, he's not entitled to use that court if you if they feel as though, look, those those workers got to do what they got to do. Now, if you're right in, in your intel where Montrez and told those guys to do it, then obviously that's a different story. I have no idea. But if it's just they had a... Well, it's, uh, I mean, I doubt, he, I doubt he walked up to him and yeah. formally said, hey, put that ladder in the sure. way. But I think it's Philly. Number one, yeah, it's, it's Philly. Philly. I love it's that Philadelphia. Place. We have to remember... Philly fans are, are uh, uh, they do that to their own home team player at times, right? So I think it was, it went without saying that the arena workers saw what was going on because when this happened, the arena, the people that were left in the arena were like, oh shit, Harold's going at Giannis on the video. Right. It went kind of quiet. All eyes were on what the hell was going to happen. Right. They all probably know Harold's kind of, you know, a little bit loose and might get into a little scuffle. So I think, you know, I, I don't think it was said directly, but I think it was said indirectly, and I think the the arena people participated in it. And I don't know the rules about post post game. My whole thing is though that you know, Montrez, you're going to be a, a road team eventually, and you're going to want to shoot after a game one day. This is what always got me with the NBA back in back in the Van Gundy days when he was in Houston. I remember when I was with the Bucks, we went we went out to um, to Houston. To play a game, and and you know nowadays everyone shares their weight rooms. Um, back in the day, it wasn't really a thing. Yeah. So, Houston had two weight rooms. They had their weight room, which is all state of the art gear, and they had this little like <laughs> this little it was the size of like a bathroom weight room, right? With just a few dumbbells and like an elliptical or some shit in it, right? So a few of our guys went in the main weight room, which they'd done previously, I guess. And Van Gundy found out about it pre-game and kicked kicked all our guys out. So we we're like well, we need a weight room. They're like, oh yeah, there's one down here. And they, it was like, it was a joke. It wasn't a weight room. It was like, it was literally they were trolling us almost or trolling the visiting teams by saying that was a weight room. <laughs> Regardless. So, okay. Houston came to Milwaukee like two months later. Right. So, you know, strength coaches are usually really good at trolling. They, they, they love shit talking back and forth. Okay, cool. So they did the same thing. They got like a little dumbbell rack and put it in like a little side side room, janitor closet. <laughs> like that's your... That's your uh, weight room for today. And Houston got the message. Van Gundy got the message. He, you know, 41 away, 41 home. You want to screw a team, they're going to screw you back. And this is my point about the Herald thing. It's like, okay, like you're going to have to go to Milwaukee eventually and you might want to get shots up. You might want to go to their facility. They're not going to be accommodating now. So now it's just very, very narrow-minded. And this was also an issue in the NBL when I first got here. There was a lot of teams that would um, mess with, with teams for shoot-around times. Mm-hmm. Like there were some teams that would be Oh yeah, the game's at seven. You can have a sh- you, you know your shoot around time. We'll give you between two and four p.m. And we're like, we can't we can't drive to the arena at two, shoot around and then drive back to the hotel for the meal and that and rest. It's pointless. Like it's the time doesn't. Oh sorry, that's the only time we have. Whereas when I first got to the Kings, we had you know some people higher up that were very accommodating to any team no matter what. They were scared to say no, and I put a stop to that because I was like, look, if they if they screw us, we're screwing them back. That's just how it goes, and that's what I think. With this Harold thing, it'll it'll end up being that I guarantee you Harold's going to need something in Milwaukee one day, and he's not going to get it. I got it. a great I got a great fucking story that it's also the Houston Rockets. So one year I, I don't know it's, with Van Gundy, not Van Gundy though, not Van Gundy. Mikhail, Mikhail. No, yeah, but Mikhail. Um, I forgot who the coach was at the time, but I forgot. I f- totally forgot who the coach was at the time. Adelman, maybe. Probably, yeah. It was after Mikhail, I believe. And um, so we we come to Houston, and look. You know our deal in, in Dallas. I started up the intern program. We have 12. You know, we take eight or nine. You know, a couple went downstairs to you know, rebound for dirt. And so we would have like six to eight. And then we would give always 
three, two to four people would always go down to the visitors because I know how it's like. Like, you get there at five, you don't want to be chasing fucking balls. So, you know, we had plenty of interns and I made sure that they had plenty of rebounders. So I go to Houston and we come out and we come out a few hours early. Um, I don't know if we're coming off a back to back, whatever, but like we come out and there's no rebounders down there. And there's like four down there rebounding for Houston. I'm like, come on, man. They know, like, we take care of them when they come to us. So then, like, we're rebounding, we're rebounding. You know me, I fucking hate rebounding. And I'm like, I look down there, and now the assistant coach is shooting shots, getting shots up, and four guys are rebounding for him. And I'm fucking hot right now because I'm like, that motherfucker. Right. I said, that is not fucking cool. That's one of the most disrespectful things I've ever fucking seen. Assistant coaches fucking shooting around before a game. So I'm like, all right, motherfucker, we'll see. So we get to Houston because they got to come right back and play us that week. And I come to Houston. The first thing I do the next fucking morning at like 8 a.m., my interns are in. I said, look, Houston's coming to town. If one of you motherfuckers grab a rebound for them, uh, here's what you're doing. You're sit, you're standing at half court and you're staring at them. You're not going to take one fucking ball. I will study fucking film. If I see one of you motherfuckers get a rebound for them, you're fired on the fucking spot. Now, of course, I was joking. <laughs> but, dude, so they do it. They're staring at him, right? Trevor Ariza gets fucking pissed. This is the and he starts booting balls into the fucking like top row and fucking the American Airlines Center <laughs> and like my um, one of their assistant coaches a good friend of mine he goes Mike what the fuck is that I said dude look one of your assistants were shooting around while we were fucking staring at staring at him back we needed rebounders you had four guys fucking rebounding for an assistant fucking coach that's bullshit. And I told my guys, I said, you fucking get one rebound for those motherfuckers. You'll be working in, you'll be working nowhere. I'll make sure of that shit. I fuck, I take, look, I take care of everybody, but you do that shit to me. And it was, it's funny. It just goes to show you like, all right, you can fuck, you'll fuck us one time, but we're going to make sure you get it back. And that's just how it is in the NBA. But yeah, that was, that was funny that you have a Houston Rocket story and I do, but yeah, it's one of those things. But that was when Salah, oh, it's just, it's just, and Salah got in the fight that night. That was yeah, yeah. I was on the squad. Yeah, right. yeah. You've told you've, you've right. we've discussed this. Yeah. That's when Trevor Reza got his chair and put it outside our locker room, and he was waiting for Salah, and I had to kind of talk him off the ledge and be like, "Dude, like, what are you doing, man?" That's beautiful. <laughs> Salah, what did I do, man? I did nothing. I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, well, you told him to to you know f his mom, like you know, no, I did not. And like, well, he's pretty mad, man. So Lots that's what he thinks you said. You better go Lots fix it. Translation. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Most in my country, we can see this. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, does, doesn't work so well in America. Anyway, moving on. Don't want to get into this one too much, but the Spurs. Note, note that again, pro. The Spurs and Josh Primo have settled with team psychologist Hillary Cawthon. So the Spurs were kind of, you know, left out of this for the most part. But the fact that they've settled, and we all know this is, you know, um, team. You know, Popovich loves to be involved with all activist causes. There's rumors that this was known about by the Spurs for a number of months before it happened uh, to get to the media. And they were kind of didn't know what to do, this, that. And the, the, the minute they got a sniff that the media had got a leak of it and that Hillary had gone to the media, they then they then let go of Primo. So they're not on that uh, high pedestal as most people think. Um, but... The Spurs have paid out and Primo apparently have settled with Hillary Cawthon so we can shut that book once again. Um, 
once bitten, twice shy, but nine times, Josh Primo. Um, <laughs> it's hard for anyone to defend you with that. And you, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Hillary gets some compensation that she, she deserves and she can move on from it and isn't too too banged up uh, mentally from it. So that's, that's all done and dusted. You anything on that, Pro? No, I, I got nothing to add to it. It's just it's a it's it's a black eye on you know it's it's a black eye on on the league. It's a black eye on that organization, and obviously you know Primo, I got no respect for. So I don't give a fuck how much training he's got or, or whatever. It's you know that's that's some that's not good. That's no bueno. And now that they paid out. Obviously, they they you know there was definitely some guilt there, and they you know they decide to settle, and it's just not going to be good. And like you said. You know, they, they're supposed to be the pillar of excellence of the league of how they treat people and how they do things. And that's just not, uh, and then just to settle early, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a good look. The squeaky clean, squeaky clean Spurs can even get done, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're not perfect by any means. I just hope there's no more lecturing from, oh, they'll uh, be lecturing from Pop about some. some. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just bring this up. Like, remember Josh Primo? Remember that whole thing that you hid for a couple of months and then the media caught, caught hold of it and you decided to to, leak, to, to to cut him on the spot within a day or two? Yeah, I, I remember. So spare me, spare me. But uh, yes, you're right. This this won't be the last or first time we hear about um, some other type of cause that, that, that is uh, bothering Pop. All right, NBA officials, Pro, did you see this? Did not. The NBA is actually being, the NBA is being sued by three officials. Um, two of these guys... I know very well. Um, the, the Jason Phillips and Kenny Mauer. Kenny Mauer is an NBA legend of an official. Third one is Mar- Marco Yodi. They're, they're suing because they were fired for not taking the vaccination. Um, they have cited, at the time, they cited religious objections. Um, I, that's neither here or there for me. I, I, you know where I stand on this. I think it should have been freedom of choice. I don't think people should have lost their their job for not abiding, but they, they're going to court with it. So this is going to be an interesting uh, precedent on, on what happens. And, and, you know, a guy like Kenny Maurer, you know, he, he's not going to he, – he won't get reinstated no matter what. The other two haven't – and they haven't been reinstated is the other issue. But Kenny Maurer was kind of towards the end of his tenure as an NBA official anyway. It'd be interesting to see he surely would have hit his pension. But, um, yeah, interesting to see how, that, how that's going to go and, and, and what compensation, if any – those officials do receive because we are seeing in other, I've seen read online, there's other um, forms of employment, other workers that have done the same thing and actually won settlement cases uh, for being wrongfully dismissed. So pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about it, Bogues, until um, Maurer, you know, not, I noticed that I, I wasn't seeing him ref the last year or so. And then I saw him on a couple of talk shows talking about, you know, the situation about the VAC stuff. I, I had no idea. And he's a good ref, man. He's, you know, like you said, he's legendary. I don't know the other guy very well, but um, I, I don't know many of them well, but I do know that guy because he sort of looked like Pat Riley with that slick back air and stuff. Slick back. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. good ref, you know, been around for a long time, respect him. And I, I had no idea. So, yeah, it's it's always a slippery slope with that stuff, folks. But what are you going to do? It is. We'll see. We'll see how much cash they get, if any. It'll be interesting just to watch, but I know there's definitely a. They definitely have a case to argue for, especially knowing what we know now. All right, uh, some trade talks are heating up. Matisse Seibel's on the block, bro, um, which is kind of expected. Uh, I'd assume he put the tra- or him or his agent put the trade request in. I think Philly were kind of like, yep, yeah, we get it. You're not playing much and you get screwed out in minutes. You should, probably should be playing more. I think his confidence now looks like it's at an all-time low, at least at the offensive end. They're expecting him to be gone by the deadline. Utah Jazz are interested in John Collins. Um, he's on the table, apparently, via the Atlanta Hawks. This is interesting because they just signed him on extension not long ago. And it's interesting that the Jazz 
are going after him. Um, you know, he could really, really, really put them in an even better position. You know, marketing to him at the four five, a lot of shooting there, a lot of athleticism, man. That's the Jazz are balling out of this world as well. So that's an interesting one. And the other, and the other one that's popped up now. There'll be more that pop up in the future. Uh, Bridges, um, post-domestic violence hearing and, and whatnot. The Lakers, of course. The Lakers and the Pistons are the two teams that seem to be interested. So it'll be interesting to see what Charlotte does, um, you know, whether they, they just low ball, take, take a low ball to get Bridges out at all costs. It's Maybe they even keep him, who knows, but I think they're going nowhere fast, so they'll probably look to move him on for some... I could I could definitely see Bridges for maybe a couple of picks, something like that, um, something nice and easy that gives both those teams... Some younger talent in the future. I don't think it's going to be a big blockbuster deal, but they're they're the three that are kind of hitting the wire at the moment. Pro, what do you think? Yeah, the Thibault thing is, in, you know, interesting because you just I thought he was going to be their guy, sort of their backup. You know, that probably is going to take PJ Tucker's job at some point, like when when they move on from PJ and be that starting wing that could be you know a shutdown guy, someone who could improve their three point shooting and. Uh, improve, improve his three-point shooting at times. Shooting 17% from the three is not good. But, like, look, man, like, you know, it, it's not looking great for him right now. And, you know, I, I understand why there's some trade rumors for him. He is a talented kid. Seems like he does things the right way and tries to really, you know, be professional as action. But shooting 28 from the field, 33 from the line, 17 from the three is not a great stat line for him. You know, like, like no one expects him to shoot 40 from the three. But, 33 from the free throw line and, you know, under 30 from the field is no good. You know, he's got to, you know, yes, he might be getting the short end of the stick on some of this stuff, but he really needs to, look, you, you need to prepare in the sense that you have to produce in the minutes that you get. And that's that's just the light livelihood of any NBA player. And I think people are going to want, really want, you know, really like to develop him. And if I'm if I'm a team, I'm definitely want him on my team because I think he could develop into a starting small forward. You know, somebody who could really guard people. You know, in, increase your athletic ability. You know, you know, his defense, his athletic ability, play in transition could be a great cutter, um, and then improve that corner three ball. And yeah, it's unfortunate with the Collins thing. Uh, I'm not a huge Collins guy. I think he's got some talent, but I thought that, you know, when they were talking about the extension stuff for him last year um, or, you know, a couple years back, whatever, and I was like, I just didn't see it. Look, he's a good player. He's an athlete. He's a lob threat. Um, he's good in, tra- you know, he's good in transition. He runs, he could finish, but like not, a, to me, not a, not a hell of a lot of skill there. Um, currently shooting 49 from the field, 23 from the three, 92 from the line. But like, like you said, he could, he could, you know, with Utah, with him and marketing and, you know, he could, he could definitely help them get a little bit better. The problem is that contract's rough. It's not terrible. I mean, you know, like it's probably average, you know, for a starting power forward in the league, but it's still, um, you know, it's still a little rough as far as, you know, taking on a deal like that, 23-5 this year, 25-3 next, 26-5-8, and then 26-5-8 and 25-26. So it is a a decent-sized commitment that you're going to have to take on. So um, it'll be an interesting deal. And then the Bridges thing. He's only averaging only averaging 12 and 8, and eight yeah. with that contract. He's a good so fourth yeah, option. To, yeah, he, to me, he's a good fourth option for you. Maybe borderline third option. But like he's a good player. If you got two really good players, he can play off of those guys. He's not a guy that you could play through, in my opinion. He's not that type of guy. But he's a good player. Twenty three percent from the three this season. Yeah, twenty three point four. Yeah, 
that's yeah, career career is just under thirty seven, so he's in a bit of a rut, and I think Atlanta want to jump ship. So that's interesting. Bridges, what do you got? Ah, uh, you know, Bogues, with that stuff, I'm 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 all out. Um, I, I would I would literally sign. I'll sign a homeless person before I sign somebody who does that to to their spouse. No offense to him, that's his deal. Um, I, is he a free agent or is he, is he still contracted? I think he? he's qualifying offer. I think he's a free agent. So they have his rights. Yeah, they yeah. have his rights. They but have his like, rights. dude, look, I'm not. I'm I'm a family man, and I understand people make mistakes. But you know, it doesn't surprise me that a couple of teams, especially the Lakers, are you know they're desperate, so they're going to try to acquire any talent they can. So to me, that that's going to be a. a yeah, that's a rough. That's a rough spot for me. But hey, look, I, I never non-starter. Yeah, it's a non-starter for me. Maybe not for someone else. And God bless you if you want to do that, but just not for me. But somebody's gonna pick him up. I, I think. Yeah, you know, I have. I have very little doubts that he'll be on an NBA. You know, he won't. He'll be on an NBA team soon. I, I don't know how soon, but he will be on an NBA team. Yeah. Uh, as we speak, as well, I just check the uh, Brooklyn Nets game. They, they just beat Memphis, obviously without Ja Morant and. Guess what lineup they went with, Pro? I think I got one right finally. I was going to tell you this. Yeah, I was going to tell you this. Man, man. Yeah. Spoke about this in the preseason of I thought a starting lineup with Ben Simmons at the five spot would look good and it would actually alleviate a lot of the pressure that Ben has from being on the perimeter and he'd have a huge mismatch playing, you know, having a five guard guarding him with all the all the uh, handoff and, and, and fast break stuff that he runs. So they ended up starting the exact lineup I thought they probably should at, at a time, which is Kyrie, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant at the four and Ben Simmons at the five. And Ben Simmons has 22, eight and five in probably his best game of the season. So I wonder if I'll stick with that. Um, I, I like it. I think it, you know, I, I think it just causes so many mismatches and KD and KD can almost guard fives at the time. These days, Anyone can guard a five because you can absolutely beat the shit out of five men now. I've noticed this in games. Like if, if a five man's posting up a three or a two, you can just they can they can basically do what they want. They can knee him in the ass, they can push him, they can dub and it's just it's not getting cold. It's the referees don't it's like they've been told we, we don't want post ups, so don't don't reward you know, if, if the little guys are getting up and into them, bad luck. Um, we, we want the pick and roll in the free-flowing game, but not saying that they've been told that, but it sure looks like they have. But Ben Simmons at the five, um, you know, maybe that'll be a long-term fix for him and, and just start out the game with a mismatch because most teams will generally start start your Claxton at the five and then put Ben in the first couple of minutes. But maybe they found something here. It is a Memphis without Ja Morant, but a win's a win. Yeah, it is. And, and look, they, they're in a position where they can't say no to anything. If the, if if I'm them and I got to find a way to win and I could you know have to you know go gimmicky a little bit and, and put Simmons to five, why not? You know, definitely why not? And yeah, I'm definitely. Hey, look, Bog, Bogues Adamus, we called you. You know, so you know, hey, great call. I remember listening. <laughs> some wrong, some I remember, right. I, I don't know where I heard it. I think I was listening to NBA radio. I was, took my my kids out to to grab uh, something at Starbucks, and I, I was. I heard it on the way in. I forgot to tell you. And then also on another note, folks, my uh, fire to train to get in the fucking gym deal. You got to play 15 minutes a night. That's why you got to play at least 15 minutes a night. That's why Thibault is not on there. Although I can get Thibault to 30%. No doubt about it. So if he wants to call me and fire his trainer, please do so. Uh, get in touch with Bogues. I'm sure you got a pipeline, all those guys. I'd, I'd be definitely interested. I got nothing else to do except fucking, you know, go to Whataburger around here. So, you know, I might as well get my, my fat ass out of my office. <laughs> 
Yeah, give him a call, Matisse. Um, I hope he finds a place that he, he could help. A, he could help a he team. Is a good player. He could definitely help yeah. a team. And I think you can tell his confidence is a little bit whack now because he's getting, he's in, misses a shot, gets dragged, but defensively he's going to give you everything. And his three ball was coming along last season. It wasn't fantastic, but at least he was shooting it confidently. It looks like he's taking a backward step with that. All right, injuries are plenty. I don't have to discuss these, but man, there's a lot of injuries. Um, Therese Maxi, three to four weeks with a foot fracture. Lillard is out one to two weeks with a calf. John Moran week to week with an ankle brain. Uh, Jimmy Butler's out the rest of the heat road trip. I'm not sure what he did. I think it was a knee. Um, Cade Cunningham potentially needs surgery, so they're assessing that. Kevin Love's broken his right thumb or, or fractured his right thumb. Duncan Robinson injures his hand in his jersey yeah. pro, cut his hand open. I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, first time I ever heard you get cut by a jersey and then Mike Conley's done uh, I think it's his lower leg. Uh, Popliteus is the word for it. Um, and he's two weeks. A lot of injuries right now, but um, this is usually what happens. Come December, there's some injuries, and then guys are starting to get worn down a little bit. So we'll see how all those teams fare. Off to Australia real quick and, and FIBA um, overseas stuff. Did you see Spain is now yes. the number one ranked team in the world? Yes, pro? I did see that. How does that happen? That's a joke. Well, I, I'm defending the US here. I'm defending the US here. So Spain's playing in a bunch – because they're playing in the Euro Championships and they're playing in a bunch of these qualifiers and the US obviously doesn't have to qualify for any of these tournaments because they're auto-qualified because they won the last one. It's not right. Um, I think US is still number one and they're the team to beat. They won – it should be wh- – whoever won the last Olympics or the last World Championships, they're number one. Um, I know the European Championships factor in and, and, and I know FIBA's really trying to pr- promote um, – their qualifiers and the Asia games and trying to really make it like uh, like FIFA soccer, but the US aren't sending their best players to these tournaments, and it's not it's not right in my opinion. I think they're still number one, but anyway, FIFA has it as Spain one by the number one by a couple of percentage points, USA two, Australia three. So good to see Australia in there. But uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think US should be should be one, or do you think it's fair? Nah, game Bob, they, you know what? they got more fucking windows in the Empire State Building now with this fucking FIBA shit. Bob. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Crazy. It's just too much. Like that's what we're doing in sports now. It's just too fucking much. No offense. Oversaturated. Yeah, no offense. Look, like when I, you know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of basketball. I, I paid attention to Euro stuff. I love it. You know me. I've said it a thousand times on the show. Like Euro Championships, heard of it. World Championships, heard of it. You know, like but like qualifiers for the Olympics, I got it. But like it's just every other day there's a qualifier, and then having three or four during the season or during the fall winter season, it just does to me. It makes kills very our, little sense. Kills our league. It kills our league. Yeah, we have to we have to pause the league for two weeks. And not only that, it's like look, no offense. I spoke about it last week. No offense to Kazakhstan, but I mean, what are we playing that game for? Like we we got Kazakhstan. Our guys are flying all hours of the night. Um, you know, get there, play a game, come back, and then have to be performing for the NBL team. They win by 40, 45. All you're risking is injury there. Like, you, you, we're not going and, and no disrespect to the guys on that Boomers roster, um, but probably not many of them will make the, the squad for the Olympics of the world. It's probably our second, third, fourth best group, right? So it's, I agree. They've, they've overdone it. Um, I know they're trying to make it like FIFA and make it a big prestigious thing where you have to qualify, yeah. but. You know, you want with the way leagues run these days, um, no rest for the weekend, and, and teams are you know you're not sending your best team, you're not sending you know, and then it's is is that game really, you know, if a fan goes and watches that game thinking it's going to be oh it's Team USA is playing this and you get there and it's it's guys that aren't even in the NBA playing for it, you're, you're pretty disappointed, you know, and some some fans sometimes get get lured into that and trapped into that not knowing it and it's happened before, so. Um, 
not a fan of it, but that's just how it goes. I think it's ridiculous. NBL, real quick, pro. Uh, New Zealand go 2-0 this weekend. They beat Tasmania and Cairns, both big scalps. New Zealand, you know, everyone's talking about Sydney as being on the championship favourites. New Zealand are right up there. They're playing very, very good basketball. Um, they're really, really good defensively. They've got guys that are physical. They're tough. They've got some scorers, so really good balance. Adelaide go one and one They beat Melbourne United earlier in the week and then lost to New Zealand. Uh, Melbourne had a winless, winless weekend uh, this week. Uh, they, they lost to Adelaide and southeast Melbourne. Um, the Kings beat Illawarra. I'll get into that in a second. Cairns beat Brisbane to go one-on-one after losing to New Zealand as well. But uh, Sydney Kings, they played the Illawarra Hawks pro. It was um, Xavier Cooks is out hurt. I knew this was going to be a trap game for us because Illawarra were one and eight going into this game. They're dead last. They're not looking like they're going to be very, very good this season and very close to shutting up shop, I think, and probably not, not bringing in more imports and paying more money. And uh, we, we kind of had control of the game scoreboard-wise, but I felt like... I felt like it was a game we deserved to lose. We just kind of were, were lulling ourselves to sleep, thinking, oh, it's the team at the bottom of the ladder. We're going to win this one easily. And they came back in the fourth and took the lead. We grinded it back, and uh, we hit a buzzer beater again from a baseline out of bounds uh, with two seconds left. A little bit of a different play than the last one. Uh, Sean Bruce flares to the opposite corner again and, and, and gets a pass on the money. And, and knocks down a three on the buzzer, walk off. Now, a bit of controversy, Pro, because it went to the review center. Some You couldn't really see if his left foot was on the line or not. Um, it looks like in some vision it possibly was, but it was kind of lifted up. You couldn't really see it completely. There's been a few photos that people have released that's kind of more, more towards confirming, look, it might have been a toe on the line. Uh, it would have been a two then, it would have gone overtime, but the league has said they're standing by the decision. And and moving on, and that's a tough thing with technology sometimes. Um, you know, after, after the fact, you can kind of see it a little bit better, but in the moment, they couldn't really see it even with their replay center. And the Kings, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but like I said, I, I thought the Sydney Kings deserved to lose that game in a little while with the way they played throughout that night. Um, but yeah, another buzzer beater win. Sean Bruce, you said, made it, and that's the controversial guy. He's a controversial guy. Yeah, uh, he's a he's he got voted. The, oh, he's a follower uh, of mine. I see him, so I'm totally sided with him. I mean, he's obviously right. Yeah, I mean, he you know he takes the time to DM me once in a he's while. He's a tough motherfucker. Yeah, I love that fucking guy. And yeah. you know, I haven't talked to him. He's uh, he was almost out of the league, bro. Yeah. Almost well, out of the league. You talked um, to me, but a couple of years ago, I keep guys in the league. Okay, <laughs> not not in the NBA, but every other league for sure. No, but he was literally hanging by a thread. He, I played with his brother at the AIS, Aaron Bruce, uh, for a number of years, and. Um, Sean was the younger brother, so I, I knew him, but didn't really know him that well. And then he was um, when I was when I got to the Kings, the second season, he was a free agent. We brought him in just because he's a tough backup point guard, and he's he's a winner. He shows up when the game's on the line, and he's tough. And and like I said, the number one shit talker voted by players in the NBL nice. loves to loves to get amongst it. Um, not afraid to take a backward step. So. Uh, good on him. He deserves it. Great shot. And the rest is in the books. All right, Dabble. Dabble is betting meets social media. As you know, Pro gave, gave Dabble a big shout out. He got a little bonus of a, an extra cupcake last week. On Dabble, you can follow your friends and mates, stalk the experts or trending tipsters, scroll through trending bets, copy them all in one tap, get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets. I'm on there. Andrew Berg at all one word. It's a fun app. You can talk shit. You can have banter. You can you know, make fun of people's bets or tell them how good their bets were. Jump on, download at the app store, dabble, dabble socially, gamble responsibly. Pro, useful, useless stats. Let's do it. Now, now um, there's two reasons why this stat was important. One is because I want to 
I want to hear you pronounce this guy's name one more time for the podcast listeners and, and two is because it's a good stat. OG Anobi Pro. How do, how do we say that name? I was going to say Ananobi, but so you say it's Anobi? Yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure it's a, it's kind of a you say it really quickly. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm not I great thought, with names, I, but uh, I, I'm pretty I sure. Butchered it. I think it's OG Anobi. Hold on, let me let me go to. Yeah, I think it's OG Anobi. Keep talking. Let me let me go to his. You can you can look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's a it's a silent un. Anyway, he currently pro is leading the Raptors in points, steals, free throws, and 25 point games, and. His steals are good for first in the NBA pro. Useful, useless. Definitely useful. And it's a Nunnaby. It, um, basketballreference.com oh. has the pr- pronunciation of every name in the league. A Nunnaby. But, yeah, I think it's useful. I think he's played great. I think he's a guy that doesn't get enough love from media, from basketball people. Um you know, he guards people. Like, obviously, you know, Siakam, Barnes, those are the guys that are mentioned – when you talk about Toronto, but like Ananabi is, you know, he, he can guard people. He's their best defender. He goes hard every night. You know, shooting's okay, decent shooter, but like brings it every night. You know, like I said, nineteen and six, and um, you know, leading the league in steals. No, I think he's good. What do you, what do you think about him, both? Yeah, just silently being one of their best players. I mean, he. We knew he was a very, very good defender coming out, um, but his offense has been a surprise. I think he's much better than anticipated offensively. So they have a lot of these kind of guys, his size, his frame. They can defend multiple positions. They can score. They're slashy. They're streaky. And I think um, he's a big reason why Toronto's another had another solid year. Um, but I definitely didn't have him as as their leader in points, bro. I mean, they've got uh, a few other players, Van Vliet specifically, and a few other guys on that Siakam who I thought would be leading them in points, but... Um, not a huge Siakam. Hell of a job. And not a huge Siakam. You're, you're not. No, he's you're a not. good player. But I mean, he's... He's a he, good player. Don't get me wrong. He killed us in those finals. Yeah. Jeez, he, he had the finals of his life against us. I'll tell you that. He, the guy could have missed. Yeah, no. Don't get me wrong. He's a good player. But when people start saying he's like like elite player, not elite player, but like top 10, top 15 in the league, and then you watch him play, like, look, he gets a lot done. Don't get don't get me wrong. It's a lot done. Long, athletic, does some things. I just don't. I you know I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. I like I like Ananobi. I like you know I like Ananobi and Scotty Barnes better. But um, yeah, they got a good team. They got an underrated team. You know since you know since losing Kawhi, like people sort of dismiss them, and for you know for a good reason. I mean, obviously they lost a lot with that, but. They they scrap every night. Nick Nurse, I always bust his balls about the NN hat he's got, but like they, he's got a new one, pro. He's got a black one now. It's in black writing. Nice. I, I saw it the other day. You couldn't really see the NN as well though, so bad investment. I'm surprised. All black hat with yeah. that. He's mm. not one that uh, has Needs a small ego by any stretch of the imagination. I would think that he would go fluorescent <laughs> fucking fluorescent fluorescent green. So I thought he would do that, but mm. black on black, good for him. Bad, bad design, bad design. But yes, yeah, good for. I'm, I'm investigating this Anobi thing because I swear I've heard commentators call him Anobi and, and that it was a kind of a silent second un. But you're right. I, I have to look it up for confirmation. Three or four sites have said it's a Anobi. I swear, commentators got me. Probably, the, it's probably the Lawndale Landale yeah, thing, but, which is hey, your fault. Lawndale, by the way. It's a Lawndale for life, brother. Lawndale for life. Lawndale for life. All right, best pull-up shooters this season. Point point per game wise, pro. Who would you have on your list? Just guessing. Best pull up Best guy. Pull up. Uh, probably Mo- most points per game from pull ups. Um, 
I would go Poor like jump Steph and Luca would be probably like like close to one and two, maybe Devin Booker, but th- that's what that's what I would have like top three. All three, all three of those are in the top oh, seven. Sweet. Yeah, so you got Steph at twelve point seven, you got KD at twelve point six. You forgot about KD. He loves a pull up. Donovan Mitchell's at twelve point five. Kyrie eleven point five, tied with Luca at eleven point five. Devin at ten point four, and Trey Young at ten even. So pretty interesting. Useful, useless. Um. Pretty useful because those guys are really good mid-range players. Like they all love the mid-range. They all do pull up. I, I think it's a useful stat. I mean, I, I think it includes threes as well. It includes oh, threes, threes as well. Okay. So you pull my up fault, from three. My fault. I believe it does. I believe okay. it does. Yeah, I mean, but look, all those guys dominate the ball. Maybe I would expect Harden to be up there. I'm surprised, you know. But um, yeah, look, they're all pull-up shooters, and those guys have the ball in their hands a dominating uh, amount of time, you know, on their club. So, yeah, I, I'd give it to him. Except Trey ain't hitting shit this year. He he leads the league in three for nineteen fucking nights already. And I and, and that was the guy <laughs> I picked by accident when I when I wanted to pick LeBron and it picked That's him. That's right. Yeah. LeBron, yeah. But no, he uh, no. I think it's yeah. pretty useful. The logo threes, yeah, mm. yeah. I think I think it's useful. I think it's an important shot these days. A lot of teams are drilled to run guys off the three point line. A lot of teams are, are drilled to get up and in guys as they cross half court, like a Steph or a Trey or a KD. So the next best thing for that offensive to do is to, to get half by them to they recover and then just pull up. So I think it's useful. All right, this one's interesting. Mike Conley, pro. He's been in the league for fifteen seasons, nine hundred and seventy three games. How many technical fouls do you think he's had? Oh, there was something like he just got like his first one about a year or two ago. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say one. Well, you're right. You're right. He did get one. That was rescinded. Ah. He's on zero for his career. <laughs> it was actually a flagrant. It was it was a flagrant they gave him, a flagrant T, and it was that controversial one. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it clearly wasn't a flagrant. And the fact that he has runs on the board of never being a dirty player, never having a technical foul. You got to you got to rescind that no matter what, even if you clothesline someone. But he has zero technical fouls in 15 seasons. But that's amazing. That's that's very useful to me. I mean, just from just from a quirky stat, like to not to not one day just kick a ball or considering what Tatum got a technical foul oh, for yeah. the other day for clapping and it wasn't even it wasn't even in the official's face. Sometimes and and Conley played in that era where they where the refs came back on on steroids and cocaine that one year. <laughs> Pun intended. They weren't really on, but they were. They were just ready to go. They were looking at you like if you gave bad eye contact, they'll teen you up that one season. So for him not to have one is pretty impressive, bro. Bogues, it just goes to show you being a pro, and there aren't many of them. But like just keeping your cool and just doing it every day, just just you know being prepared, competing, respecting people, not losing your cool. That is a vet like controlling aggressiveness like all being overly aggressive in like advert like points of adversity is a very undervalued thing in the, our world today and it just goes to show you how he is and how how he takes it as a professional he's mild-mannered and remember we talk about not being too high and not being too low most people use it as a fucking as just a catchphrase bullshit line but like it's it says a lot about it, and it says a lot about what he, you know, what he's about. I think it's useful for sure. What what do you think? Oh, very useful. Yeah, I like it. I think it's just the fact that not not having him won by even accident is pretty impressive. So it just tells you, and he he's always up there in in this in the team out of the year award. The NBA players do a team out of the year award. He's always he's always right up there. I'd love to know how many technical fouls I had. My career pro, I don't. I think you maybe you have some technology. I think you had two hundred. I, I can't I think you find two hundred thirty one in Mavs <laughs> practices. So yeah, for sure. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there knows, I'd love to know. I'll have to look up. Maybe StatMuse will have it, but uh, I'd love to know how many I had. All right, last one, pros. The Sacramento Kings are averaging the most points per game since the Denver Nuggets back in 1984, pro. Useful or useless? Pretty useful, man. You, you, I didn't expect this offensive explosion. I saw... My database has team stats too, and and I, I looked at the leaders for points, and it was like I think Devin Boston were like one and two, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, wow, what the fuck's going on here? But yeah, I think it's useful because like those Denver, so Denver Nuggets in '84 was the highest, um, was the highest up to this point, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that, yeah. Sacramento's yeah the forty fifty odd years. And that team had right? like so. Alex English on it and those guys, and they put up a ton of points in in an era where like that wasn't you know it was a half court league nineties you know you you know eighty six Celtics scored a lot, the Lakers scored a lot, but like they're not a lot of teams. Denver scored a lot of points. I think it's definitely useful. Like you know, Sacramento's. Hey, look, I'm, I'll give them all the credit in the world. I didn't expect much out of them, and uh, they're doing. They're doing some great things so far. I think it's useful uh, for sure. I mean, it's a small sample size for, you know, no question, but 15 yeah, games. But they're doing it. Like, I got to give them some credit, man. It's not like it's like four games in. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty good. They're, they're, they're for real so far. Uh, and for those wondering, it's 121.4 points for the Sacramento Kings uh, this season per game. All right, Pro, what do you have? Like yeah, folks, we're going to go with a few. One's going to be Tom Fullery, of course. Um, if the, if the let me see, if the Brooklyn Nets goes on a losing streak next week, Joe Sy is going to add three more steps to Kyrie Irving's penance. <laughs> back to fake news. Well, he's back. He's fake news because he's back. So he's back today. But uh, yeah, he might he might have to do a few more somersaults and flips and push ups and sit ups and uh, dot his eyes better and cross his t's. But uh, yeah, Joe Sy needs to just skip in the bin with all his all his uh, posturing bullshit. And yeah, we'll fake news that one. Probably. Yeah, hey. And shout out to uh, Jalen Brown, you know, for uh, for calling him out because that's uh, that's pretty cool. Like, usually, it. like yep. players well, just yeah. call out owners for anything, but I think that was definitely look. None of none of us, none of us are playing God here. It should be like you got to meet with me to be, you know, to make sure you're, you know, make sure I I know that you're sorry and bullshit like that. That is some bullshit. I know I'll never work in the NBA again, so I don't need many more friends for owners. But that was some fucking bullshit. And I, like I said, I'm 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 not for players just calling people owners out for bullshit. But that was definitely that was definitely good. But uh, yeah, we're joking around with that one. But I'll get that. That's one of the three. Miles Bridges will play in the NBA this season. Fact or fake news? Fact. I won't pick him up. I mean, look. You know, we don't condone. I don't condone what he did. I think he should be done at least, you know, for the year potentially, and just just take a break, come back next season. But at the same time, there's there's also a piece of me that says, look, no matter what you've done, poorly, everyone deserves a second chance. I guess the question is, when is that second chance? Um, I think uh, he can help a team that's on the on the on the brink of a playoff run slash championship run. I mean, imagine imagine someone like. Uh, making this up, like a Dallas or someone like that. Not that they'd pick him up, but someone that an extra scoring punch and athleticism for a team like Dallas um, on top of what they already have, I think could help. Uh, 
another team, you know, Sacramento, for instance. I don't think they're not going to bring him in because they have enough there, but just provides more depth. So there's teams that he could really help take another step, I think. Um, and, and you hope he comes back and this is the final indiscretion in his career because he's a fantastic player when on the court. But yeah, there will be a team that, that definitely picks him well, up. Well, it gets a little messy. Um, I, I'd say fact too, I think another team will pick him up this season. And I think it, I think it will be the Lakers. Now, where, here it get, where it gets messy is he's a restricted free agent, you know, because of it'll be, I believe he'd be, um, that's, that's, you know, he's qualifying offer eligible, even though I don't think they've given it, they've, te- they tendered it to him, but I don't know if they tendered it to him or they've, you know, or they just held back, but they, they've got that, you know, it's a restricted free agent. So like, what does Michael Jordan do? So like, if the Lakers say, well, we'll give you this, you know, we'll sign you to an offer sheet of like whatever, you know, minimum or whatever. If they got any mid-level exception money left to taxpayers and like what happens there? And then do you trade? And what do you trade? Does Michael Jordan decide, all right, well, you know, I'd rather if somebody's going to give him money. I don't even know who's under the cap or who's left under the cap that have a lot of money to give him. Probably mid-level exception money the most. Does Michael Jordan match? And have to deal with that fallout with other people, you know, saying like, oh, you're going to sign this guy and he did this. So it'll be interesting. I think there will be other teams, you know, like especially with Cunningham being out. If Cunningham's going to be out most of the year with surgery, I don't know what that whole deal is with the shin or whatever, how long he'll be out for if he does elect to have surgery. But like the Lakers definitely need talent a thousand percent. So it'll be interesting to sort of see where that goes. But I think it is fact. I think he will be picked up by the end of the year. And then the last one, both John Collins would be will be traded by trade deadline. Fact or fake news? Oh, it's a hard one because um, they're not they're not playing horribly. The old Atlanta Hawks. They're they're, they're pretty solid. I think they're, they're still third in the East. Yeah, they um, started slow, but they're they're, they're they're actually doing pretty well. They're third. They're tied third with with Cleveland because Cleveland's fallen fallen off a cliff lately. But. Um, they are ten and six. You know they're playing okay basketball. Six and four in their last ten. So I don't know. Do you, unless they can be made better with someone, I mean, what do they get there? What, what four? You, they still need. They still going to need a four man, right? Like it's not like yeah. it's not like they have a four man in waiting that they're like, oh, we need to make room for this four man, this young guy that we have because he's going to be a stud. They don't know yet. So it's like, okay, so who, who are you yeah. who are you bringing in that's going to help you? Um, I mean, Collins hasn't been great, but well. You got some names? Well, it, you know, it's interesting that you say Utah. Um, I would say if Utah is going to make the deal, you know, the first thing I'm going to go after with Utah is, look, they've got some picks. And and obviously, they're going to lottery protected heavily. Um, they'll heavily protect these, any picks coming out. Danny, like I told you, is notorious for winning every deal that he puts out there. And then, but like Jared Vanderbilt's not a bad player. He's a defender. Um, he's a pretty good athlete, really good defensive guy. Shooting's gotten a little bit better. And, uh, but he's a good player. He puts up numbers, his contracts up. He's not the type, he's not, he doesn't have the explosive athletic ability, you know, sometimes what Collins got on lobs and stuff, but he's a good player. But like, look, you're trying to make a run in the East and you're going to give up John Collins. But I think, you know, that's a lot of cap money though, too. Like that's 20 plus million, you know, for, you know, yeah, I know it's four years or whatever it's left in the deal, but like, just let's talk about the number. Like you got to get to 20. Now, you know, but I would say Jared Vanderbilt's a guy that just sort of pops up, you know, right away. Celtics need, you know, some help up front, but, you know, maybe they they move out to five, but they got 
you know, they got Robert Williams, but like, I don't even know who they can give up to make yeah, who they're giving up. Yeah. The, they're gonna have to give up Marcus Smart or something yeah, like that. It's gonna have to that. be an ideal. So, no, they're not yeah, gonna do that. It'll, so. be, it'll be interesting. But like, who, who steps up for Atlanta? I think it's gotta be a, a four in the Collins deal. It needs to bring him back another four. I'm looking at their roster right now, and I mean, it's they got a Kongwu who plays forward center for him. Um, let's say just go uber small ball and put like a a DeAndre Hunter who's more of a guard forward at the four and and and, and just start off smaller. Um, they don't really have another four man that's you know Frank Kaminsky's there, Jalen Johnson. Um, you know, young guy hasn't hasn't improved himself yet. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. You know, if you're third in the East, um, maybe they're looking at it like, oh, maybe we're lucky to be in that position. Let's just make a move, and they want to shit that salary. But I, I, I'm going to fake. I'm going to fake news it just based on. I think they're gonna they're gonna hold it together for the most part, and they they won't make a move. I think if it happens, it's gonna happen in the off season. Yeah, I think it's really I think that they're really limited at what they can do. And now, you know, an underrated move that might that could happen is possibly, and again, they'll have to make the money work. PJ Washington, you know that that's a de- like so two names that I would say that like I'd probably want to take back. For four men, if if you're gonna get, if I'm gonna take back a starting four, would be a PJ Washington, would be Jared Vanderbilt. PJ Washington's more, you know, more, you know, like more offensively minded. He's a better offensive player for them. They'll probably fit them to be able to put up points. Yet Jared Vanderbilt gives them a defensive presence, although they already have Capella, so I don't think they need another defensive forward. But yeah, I think it's gonna be tough. I think it's, I think it's fake news. I think you just hear a lot of a lot of that stuff. You know, I should have added a question to see if Jay Crowder is going to be traded because I'll tell you what, if I'm Phoenix, I'm keeping Jay. Like, I'm just going to say, look, dude, you know, Cam Johnson's out for a long time. You know, you want to start? We could start you. You know, we could play you. You've been here before. Oh, now, especially with that injury, they're in big yeah, trouble. I'm but not, it's like, yeah, I, they're going to give him the money he wants. Fuck that. I'll play Lawndale at three, the way he's been playing. Weird <laughs> deal, though, folks. I'll be honest with you. Like I've been watching a lot of his games lately the last week or you know, six, seven days. He's played great, like really well. You know, dunking, rolling, playing solid D. I said it I it's funny, I was fucking texting him and said, You're not a shop blocker, but you play good D. Motherfucker had like three blocks the next night, of course. But like and then he doesn't play tonight at all against New York. Weird. Strange. Like like his pl- well, he didn't play tonight. Neither. He got a, he got a DMP, DMP tonight. So yeah, I, don't know, tonight. I don't know if he's weird because the last three mm. or four games he's really been pretty impactful for them. And then just automatically, and I thought that maybe New York went small, but they played Robinson like seventeen minutes off the bench, um, you know. And they played, uh, you know. But they again, I, that guy plays so fucking tough and so hot. I know I break his balls a lot for not calling him back on the show, but. He plays so fucking hard. Why wouldn't you play him? And um, it was just weird that he played, did well for a while. You know, you think he's just getting these minutes carved out for him. And then all of a sudden he doesn't play. Just weird shit. But you know how the NBA is. Like, you know, some days. Yeah, look, I think he's three. He'd be the first to tell you. I think he's three. He's just not falling right now. What's he at? Twenty? He's in the 20% sure. mark somewhere. I think he's lost a bit of confidence there. So he needs to get that back. But, but like you said, I mean... I watched a game a couple of nights ago, block shot at one end, sprints the floor. I think it was a Golden State, fast break dunk. Um, comes back, it's another fast break dunk. Like, he, he, yeah, he's just going, he goes rim to rim, full. That's his, he knows. Like, and it's rare for a, sh- a, a guy that's more known as a feet set three point shooter 
um, to have that multi skill, right? Where he can he can run rim to rim, post you up, shoot a hook, and he can also pop for that three. You just you just we need his three to get back to, you know, hopefully work his way back up to low thirties, um, be, be a bit more consistent there. It's just not falling for him, and a lot of them are going in and out. I've, yeah. I've watched a fair few of his games as you have. They're good shots. They're just not falling right now. So you just need to stay confident with it. But yeah, you hate to see a DMP for a guy land out. Hopefully um, that all sorts itself out. But uh, he definitely deserves to be in that rotation. All right, Pro, I want to finish with sure. this. So I had a lot of people reach out to me and, and you'd be good to talk about this um, as am I. I've, I've, I've been on both sides of this, but there's a lot of, I don't know what it's like in the US, but there's a lot of hmm. kind of, Trainers, uh, development coaches, um, just just random names that pop up. Um, US is probably bad as it is in Australia. It's it's becoming more and more now. I think um, a lot of parents have reached out and said, "Look, what do you look for in a you know my son's fourteen? I want to get into individual sessions, or my daughter's you know thirteen. What do I look for?" And so I decided to do a bit of kind of wrote some things down what I would look for. Um, first of all. It's a new craze, so everyone wants a personal trainer in, in, in not just basketball, but soccer and and whatever sport you're playing, tennis. It's all about getting your kids, and and that's great. That that you definitely want to do that because your club stuff's not enough. At least in Australia, two club sessions a week plus your game is not enough if they want to better their skills. Hopefully, they're already working on their own game is number one, but they definitely need some tutelage. So. I don't know what pricing is like in the US, pro, but over here generally, yeah. you're getting about fifty to one hundred dollars per hour per kid. Now that's depending on group sizes. So if you've got a group of ten, you're obviously not paying. You're probably playing paying fifty or below. If it's more of a intimate group of two or three, then you pay the hundred. So for parents out mm-hmm. there, that's that's probably your range, fifty to one hundred dollars per hour. Um, smaller the group, you probably pay closer to the hundred. Larger the group, you might even get below fifty. Right? I've seen some of these fucking trainers, man. They've got forty kids. Oh no, they've got 40 kids on four courts and they're charging, you know, each one $30, $40, but don't even waste your time. Like, you're not going to get any instruction one-on-one when there's 20, 30, 40 kids there, right? Unless there's, unless there's 20 coaches, but then every coach is going to have a different message for you for the most part. If you're, so if you're looking for a personal trainer, you want, to, you want someone that's in an intimate setting. My three, red, my three red flags, first off, for parents, if you're looking for a personal trainer for your child, number one, if they promise anything, mm-hmm. Um, huge red flag. So what I mean by this is train with me and your son will make the NBA. Train with me and your son will make the NBL. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you hear that, red flag. I don't want to hear that from a trainer or you want to hear, I'll, I'll make your, your son or daughter work, I'll get them better, um, I, I'm going to get their deficiencies better and I'm going to continue to hone the current skills they have. You never promise that you're going to get someone to somewhere because a lot of it relies on the kid. Um, a lot of it relies on their club and the time and their love for the game. A trainer's not going to just, you could get the best trainer in the world, you know, Andrew Bogut, Mike Procopio, whoever, like uh, one of the best Instagram trainers. If, if your child doesn't want to work, they're not going to get there. So don't ever believe if someone says, I'm, I'm going to get your kid there, they're going to make it. That's number one. Number two, are they recording your workout whilst working you out to post it on social media? Now, look, I'm okay with a one-off, a photo, or if someone else is recording a little clip, kind of ballpark to me, but I get it. But if they're actually recording you while you're doing drills, red flag. You are the, you are, you are the, the product at that point <laughs> your child is your child is the product so you're they're using you to leverage their brand which I think is not right I think as a parent you're paying big money per hour to, to have someone train your child the best you need from them is 
I don't want any distractions. I don't want you holding a phone. I don't want this. I don't, you know, train my child and get them better. So that's the second red flag if you see any of that. Um, number three is they name drop about contacts they have all around the world. That's number three, big red flag. I've got this person here in college. You can look, if you, if you train with me for two years, I can get you here for the NBL. I know this person. I know that person. Good people generally in life and, and good trainers, they don't do that. Um, they're comfortable, they have it in their pocket, but they're not going to tell you they have it in their pocket um, until until a time of need and they might help you. So they're my, my kind of real big three red flags of those three kind of tell you the, the feel of what someone is. Um, but it's hard for parents because parents get swindled. Parents get, you know, emotional when it comes to their kids. I've seen it so many times. That's not the parents' fault. You know, it might be a coach that comes from America and it's like, oh, it's, you know, there was always a stigma pro in the, in the 80s and 90s and at least the 2000s in, in Australia that anyone with an American accent, you were like, oh my God, it's an American coach. They're, they're God, right? And sure, there were some, some coaches that came out here um, that were fantastic, but then there were a lot of people that, that used that and you know, were charging parents crazy money to get their kids nowhere, promising the world, and they just disappear with the money, right? So um, the biggest thing I think for kids, uh, for parents to look for with an individual coach is number one, identify weaknesses of your son or daughter. So, okay, their left hand is really bad. We need to address that. Okay, footwork is bad, traveling a lot. Um, follow through is not there every time. The, the, the guide hand, blah, blah, blah. All these things, identify weaknesses and address them along with continuing to develop skills already they already have and getting them from maybe a B plus to an A plus. They're the most important thing. So a one-size-fits-all generic sessions do not, don't, don't even, don't bother with those parents in my opinion. Um, if you're investing this kind of money, you should be getting, you can go up to about 10 max, in my opinion, but you still want to have individual sessions within those 10. So if you've got 10 kids in a, in a two-hour session or an hour and a half session, I don't want them all doing the same thing because you might have one person doing something that they're already good at and another person's not. And then that, that kid that's already good at that is kind of like, well, I can already do this really well. I want to learn more, get me better and vice versa. So the one-size-fits-all generic sessions um, are also something to look out for, Pro. I don't know if you have much more to add, but it's it's rampant here, Pro. It's, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And there's big money involved in it because generally some of these coaches, they don't need their own facility. They just go and rent a court for, they pay the facility, you know, 20, 30, $50 an hour. They already have a relationship with them. They get five to 10 kids that are paying them 50 to $100 an hour. Do the math. They do two of those sessions a day, even one a day, mm-hmm. five days a week. You know, they're making a good living. Um, and, you know, you just want to make sure that, your kids are getting what they pay well, for. So all, parent, what else you got on that front, um, bro? Nine times out of 10, you have no idea what you're doing. Like you, you're just a parent, right? Just like most parents. They, they, they see it, they watch it, but they don't really know. Um, first of all, I would never have a trainer work with my son or daughter that haven't, hasn't coached before. So like if they haven't coached high school, they haven't coached club ball, they haven't spent any time as a real coach. I'm not doing it. Now, if my son or daughter is not very experienced in basketball and I want somebody who's just going to, you know, young, work hard, you know, like play the game before, that's great. But if I'm really a parent that's going to invest money into this thing, I'm not working with a trainer that has not coached before. That's the first thing. Second, second thing, if they do carry a camera by themselves and they're filming you while they're working out, huge red flag. Like, because they need to be studying you, not just putting stuff on. Like, the social media thing, I'm not a huge fan of. But, like, if they have, like, four or five cameramen um, 
filming the workouts, whatever. That's that's another thing. But the coach, the actual trainer that like just films the player working out to put on social media right there, red flag to me. If they don't talk to your son or daughter during the workout and like they're not correcting, they're not stopping a drill at all, and they're just like continuously going, your son or daughter is not going to get better. Like you pay a trainer to not only assess your game, put your son or daughter through a workout sessions that's going to get, you know, close the gap on their skill set and also uh, close the gap on their weaknesses and improve things and get better at some things. But like you need to correct. That's what coaches do. They actually correct and talk. A lot of these trainers just move to the next drill. Um, huge red flag would be if they just continuously do different things every session. You're never, ever – I've been doing this for 30 years. And the reason why I'm so good is because I could take a player and do basically almost the same thing every day to work on those two or three weaknesses that they really need to work on on top of the stuff that they already do well, but really key in on two or three weaknesses and you know rep it out, correct it, and just keep on repping it and repping it and repping it. That's the only way they're going to get good. Trainers, which they're like crack dealers, for God's sakes. They just sell dreams that, that you're never going to attain. They just keep doing the, the, the drill of the year. I mean, the move of the year. You'll do it in a workout, and then the next day, it'll be a different move of the year. Like, wait a minute. I thought we were doing the move of the year yesterday. No, no, no. Are we doing a new one today? And then the next day is a new one, and the next day, how do you expect to get good at something? Like, Kobe would do things thousands of times. Like, I, I, told, I always tell the story about, you know, breaking down film form the last time I worked out with him and him doing, like, an in-and-out crossover step back, like, 11 or 12 times in, like, a three- or four-game period. So, like, I was watching film of it in the plane. I'm like, all right, I don't like this shit, but, like, during, the like, the last part of our workout, we'll do it. I said, all right, KB, let's do last five minutes to work on an in-and-out crossover step back. He goes, Mike, I never do that. I never work on that. I go, KB, you did it, like, 11 times in, like, three games. He goes, yeah, I get it, but... What happens is I work on the in and out layup, in and out jump shot, crossover layup, crossover jump shot, step back, jumper, step back, pull in front layup. I master all three of those moves. The game's reactionary. So if I don't master each one of those things and read the defense of how they react, because if I in and out somebody and they don't, and they, they don't, I mean, they don't bite on it. I'm just going to go to the rim. They bite on it. That's why I cross over. They get to my hip. That's why I step back and I shoot the jump shot. It's all reactionary. But I have to work on each step thousands of times before I'm very good at it. So with your son and daughter, like whatever they're working on, if they need their corner three, they need to work on their left hand, they need to work on their ball handling, whatever it is, they need to be repping that out daily on almost every session. And that's a big thing for me. Um, those are some, those are some of the big things for me. And look, you, you get, you get what you pay for. If you're going to get, if you're going to get, walk into a session with 50 kids in it, just expect this, expect, okay, maybe my son or daughter will play a lot. They'll get some reps in, but they're not going to get a lot of instruction. So I, and I'm not going to pay that much for it. Like if I have anything over 10, like 10 kids in a session, I'm not paying more than 30 bucks for it. If I have a session of like less than 10, like I think six, like I, I usually charge 85 a kid for six, you know, six kids, 85 per kid because of the fact that you get a lot of reps in, I could teach, I could stop and correct. Uh, also, I could, I could teach, stop and correct, and I could play three on three live, two on two live, you know, and then they can get a lot of good things out of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to charge more. 
But since, like, that's the expectation. If you're expecting your son or daughter to get really good teaching with 50 kids in the gym, then you're crazy. But if there's, like, four to six kids in the gym and I'm, I'm paying a premium, then I better expect that coach to be stopping, correcting, talking, and teaching. This game's at an all-time low. It's way overcoached, way undertaught. There's no teachers anymore. It's just, it's like breakdancing. It's like like breakdancing in the 80s. You just work on breakdancing moves, and then you work on another breakdancing move the next day and another breakdancing move the other day. And there's no teaching involved. You're just emulating and copying moves, but there's no actual teaching involved. And I think that that's a big thing. And that's why, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's the game's going to shit, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> With with everything, with every industry where, where there's money to be made, you're gonna have people that, that grift and you know, that, that like Pro said, shouldn't even be coaching, period, because they've never coached before and they, they kind of work their way, weasel their way into things, and that's every walk of life, not just basketball. But the other thing I'd look for is, you know, the first couple of weeks of anything, there's a honeymoon period where everything's great, everything's rosy. It would be, you know, I've seen a lot of these trainers they have the energy the first couple of weeks and it's a brand new business or it's a brand new group and then by week three, week four, they're, they're showing up, you know, making this up. It's a 10 a.m. session. They're showing up at 9.59. All right, guys, oh, yeah, just get your stretch in. You know, you, you want to make sure that they're, they have to be more motivated than your child. You know, if they're rolling out of their car after a little nap or they, you can cl- clearly see that they don't want to be there or they're tired, they, that's, that's immediately something as a parent you address. I'm paying you a premium I need your energy like it was the first week. And I see that so much, man. I see that so much. And then parents, of course, they see a little bit of an improvement. So they stay with that coach or that person. But then the, the next the next jump of the improvement doesn't come because it's just the same, the same old. And to Pro's point about mastering the, the simple stuff, I see that all the time too. I see kids trying to do 15 crossover moves before they get to the basket or let's do this because these these people that are training them sure. and this isn't look this isn't all trainers there's a lot of good people out there that do it for the right reasons and don't even don't even charge money for the most part but there's a lot of people that don't and and when you're going into the individual realm you have to pay a premium that's just the way life works you know i, I just see a lot of a lot of kids um, just get stuck in that whole uh, sorry a lot of kids trainers get stuck in the i'm going to go on instagram and look at who's Steph Curry's trainer? I'm going to copy those 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 drills. You're like, well, you haven't seen what Steph did from 9, 10, 11, 12 to, to Davidson College for a couple of years to the NBA to get to that point at, at 33, 34. Mm-hmm. You can't then have a 14-year-old do yeah. what Steph's doing because you think that's going to turn him to Steph Curry. And that's what I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing kids practicing shit that they're never going to do in a game, shit that is just... They haven't mastered, you know. I did some stuff yesterday uh, locally here with some kids, and, and this is a knock on anyone. And I've done a bunch of camps. It's, it's simple stuff like my biggest thing with a lot of young kids is just teaching a basic closeout, right? Like teaching a get your stick arm up early, um, close out no middle. Why do we force the baseline? Kids don't know the answer to that. And I, I, I'm not blaming the kids. I'm not, it's just things that have got lost in translation over time because we, we want to jump to. I want to do a step back or I want to do, I want to block someone's shot off the glass or throw it into the crowd. It's like, well, you, you got to master a proper closeout first. And then on the flip side, you know, if, if, if you're on offense and someone's trying to stop you from going middle, then you you learn offense. Okay, now what do I do here? How do, how do I kind of fool him into baiting him like I can open up the middle a little bit and just teaching small things like that. So I, I think probably it's not really a red flag, but the more flashy, 
a trainer is with all these kind of different mm. moves and apparatus is the other thing, pro, like 50 different different things. Like I, I got this cone for this and I've got this touchpad and I've got this. Look, for pros, different story. Like someone like Steph, he needs to be stimulated with things that he hasn't done before as you know, to, to keep motivated for workouts. So they've got him doing all kinds of stuff. Um and that that's how they get better, right? Because basic ball handling drill for them, and, and they, don't get me wrong, for their warm up, for their warm up drill, they'll still be doing the basic stuff. But in the meat of their workout, they'll be doing some stuff that's really kind of wacky and out there at times. But they've mastered simple, like Pro said. For your kids to be doing that and jump into that that extent, you just you're just gonna get lost in translation. So I just want to have a discussion on it, Pro, because I've had I've had more than a few people in person ask me, and some people have emailed through and on social media saying like, "Man, like I'm lost. What do I do? I've I've got." I've got personal trainers mm-hmm. coming up to me saying I can train your, your son or your daughter. I can help them. What do I look for? These are some of the qualities you got to look for, and and you know I think we'll do a few more things like this over the course of the year. But it's 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 hard, and, and like Pro said, uh, if you're not in the game, you know it's like me being a parent. If I went now into, you know, my son wanted to ride dirt bike, dirt bikes, and I went to a local MX course, and I'm like, I'd have no idea <laughs> what's what. Like if some guy came up to me and said, Hey. I can get your son riding that bike, but I'll be like, okay, yeah, cool. How much, how much do you want? Here it is. Like, I have no idea. And that's a pro's point. Like parents, they're parenting and they want the best for their kids. So a lot of times as a parent, you can get blinded by some of these people that are charging you, you know, hundred dollars an hour and, and there's no improvement or they're liable. Or then three or four years later, they don't have the contacts they said they did and, and then things go astray and then they disappear and they move to another city or another state and they start all over again. I've seen that numerous times as well. So it's a, it's interesting. It's an interesting industry, pro. It's definitely, um, it's up there with the, uh, oh, question. the Instagram models. Quote, people unquote, are making seven figures, a lot of six figure people, you know, and they just work on nonsense. And 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 what happens is they work on stuff that these kids are never going to do in a game. Their coach is going to get pissed and they're going to get on the bench. And then by the time they spend, they they spend five figures on this over a course of a four-year period, you know, five-year period with their sons or daughters, they, they might they might pay 30 grand to these people over a course of time. And then when their careers toast because they've been working on the wrong thing for years, then these people are going to go to the next town. It's like, you know, it's like these uh, Westerns, Western movies. You have these people like these snake oil salesmen that are going to sell this elixir. It's going to make you feel great. Well, they'll sell it to the people until like three or four days and then they'll figure out that things bullshit. They'll just move to the next town. That's what these people do. They move to the next town and it's bullshit. And that's the problem. But people just don't understand. Look, it's it's very simple. Like whoever's in charge of your son or daughter's minutes, they're the warden of the jail. You got to figure out what they want your son or daughter to be able to do to get on the floor to a maximum amount of time. You work on those things, you figure it out, and then that's it. And then you watch film of your son or daughter. What are the shots that they take in during the year, during the season for their team? And then see, well, this guy had me dribbling 46 times before I shot. Well, did little Johnny or Sally do that during the season ever? Like, why, why would I be working on that? Like, and that's the problem. You work 98% of the time on things you'll do 2% of the time. You'll never get better. How the fuck does that make any sense? So you just got to figure out what you need to work on to get you, you know, get you to like at least 
try to do what you're trying to do. Like, like what are my goals and how am I going to get there? And then have a plan of how we're going to get there, the things that I need to get better at, you know, to really get better and, and to improve and get on the court. But these, these charlatans and these fucking thieves just keep on like, and again, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the person who said, we're going to grind out, you know, two or three weaknesses, or you're going to listen to the person who says your coach has no idea what they're fucking doing. You're Steph Curry. And you should be playing like Steph Curry. You shouldn't be playing like, you know, you shouldn't be playing like um, Dorian Finney-Smith or Herder or something like that. You need to be playing like Steph, James Harden, you know, and things, you know, and people like that or LeBron. And, you know, of course you're going to listen to that person because you're going to think, well, they've got all these followers on Instagram. They're working with all these players. And that's another thing. Get, get Give them like – I'd go to that trainer and say, well, I want a client list of five people that I can call and I can talk to them about what, you know, especially at my son or daughter's position and what makes you so good. And I, I want to figure out if you're the right person. Like, I would really try to do my homework the best I can. But, you know, look, there's a lot of, lot, there's a lot of good people in this too. But there's a lot of thieves doing it for the wrong reasons. And again, by the time you figure it out, they're going to already have your money, you know, you know, going to the next kid, you know, the next family. So that's that's sort of my thought on it. Yeah, interesting. So be vigilant. There's a lot of questions you can ask. I think references is spot on. Um, what kids have you trained? Have you trained any pros or semi-pros that are playing NBL, NBL1 or NBA or G League or, or college? Have you sent kids to college? How long have you been doing this? Where have you coached? Um, and definitely some references, I think, just calling people – whether it be other parents of kids that they have coached or even just other kids that have now, you know, if, if a guy's been doing it, a guy or girl's been doing it for 10, 15 years, they'll have, they'll have kids now that have morphed into adults, which should give you a bit of truth. Um, you know, when they're 19, 20, 20, 21, whatever, they can say, yeah, he was good. Yeah, she was bad, whatever. And I think, um, yeah, just be smart about it. Ask a lot of questions. A lot of times, you know, there is a lot of good and bad in every industry and, and, and you see some some people make a living out of this because it's a pretty bro, it's a pretty lucrative business if you can do it right. Um, sure. But you can also do it pretty wrong and still make good money. Because don't forget a lot of a lot of these trainers don't have a facility to pay for. They don't have sure. half a month paying insurance. This is the other thing. Make sure they have insurance, parents. Um, make sure they have some sort of insurance because if they if they train your your, your son or daughter and they, they do something, they're training them, you know, they had a little injury and they push them too hard and they get stress fractures or break their leg or, you know, you want to make sure that they've got insurance to cover that. Um, not only that, if something happens in, in the gym between players or, or whatever, I've seen a lot without without insurance and then, then they just disappear when she hits a fan. But, yeah, it's, it's more just about making sure you've got someone trustworthy and you're not just getting someone because I, you know, they told you they could get your son or daughter to the next step. Um, make sure that they actually live by that. So, and it's paying attention as a parent, um, as hard as it can be, go, go to some of this. You don't have to go to every session. I think once you're comfortable enough, but that takes weeks, if not months, don't just go to these sessions and sit on your phone. Um, actually watch and see how they're interacting with your child and, and that they're motivated because you're, you're paying your hard earned money to have your child get better. So just a matter of keeping an eye on it. But um, thanks for that, Pro. I think it would be very useful for a lot of our followers that have – I know a lot of them have young kids that are coming through the junior ranks and some of them have really, really good kids that could potentially be elite. Their heads are spinning with, with the next step. So hopefully this helps. And if you have uh, any more gripes or, or, or questions – around trainers or want things answered just just um you know either tweet us or chuck a comment on one of our posts on, on the rogue bogues pages and we'll try to endeavor to get back to the interesting stuff pro thank you another week in the books uh we'll see how how we go this week in the nba with all the injuries and chat next week folks we'll see you guys next week by andrew
Let's get rogue.